Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And so he looked at the bank and he was like, we know you've got this bank. Uh, we know you've got money in this name. And I just, I looked at it and he was so irritated and upset and serious. He goes, you're going to get hit with an obstruction charge. And I said, wow. I said, have you called the bank? He goes, oh, man. And everybody's like, what's going on? What's going on? And he goes, it doesn't exist. And I, he goes, and I looked at him and I go, it's all an illusion. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm continuing my uh, my story, my second, the second, do we, second series or second, I don't know. Anyway, I think this is part part two of whatever the series is anyway so of me going to prison and i think i talked about last time i had just been arrested and um the u.s marshals had finally moved me to uh they'd finally moved me to i think i was in a atlanta city a detention center and my lawyer i had agreed to cooperate and meet with the secret service and the fbi and do an interview with dateline uh, NBC News. So I think pretty I'm not sure exactly chronologically what where it was, but I'm going to go ahead and do the Secret Service first. So the Secret Service I was moved to the US Marshals I was moved to the US Attorney's office to be interviewed by the Secret Service and there was the main Secret Service agent that had been investigating me. Her name was Andrea Peacock. And she was out of Atlanta. The other guy that had actually, so Peacock had been, had been, she'd been investigating me. But the guy that the U.S. the U.S. Secret Service agent that arrested me, his name was Dan Bronskowski. Bronskowski. It was a ridiculous name, Dan. So it was Andrea Peacock and Dan. They were there, and the U.S. attorney was there. Her name was Gail McKenzie. So Gail McKenzie was – she despised me. D to be honest, they, they – they, um, Andrea Peacock – it's actually Andrea Peacock was extremely nice and polite. Uh, but Gail McKenzie was just horrible. She was just 
she was really, really just a rude person. And she took white collar crime very seriously. I, I want to say that after I had met with her the first time, I remember my lawyer, I asked her, like, what's wrong with this woman? And I, she had told me, if I got the story right, that 15 or 20 years earlier that Gail McKenzie had been investigating um, mortgage fraud or some kind of a fraud, and there were Russians involved, and they actually poisoned her during the investigation, and she ended up in the hospital and almost died. So in her, to her, she was like white-collar crime was violent. Like to her, it was like it was a it was a horrible crime committed by horrible people that would that would do horrible things and and would turn to violence. Like I'm not a violent person. <coughs> I'm not going to poison anybody. But because some guy 15 years ago poisoned this woman, now I now she wanted to slam every single person out of the gate that committed any type of white collar crime. So I end up going to the U.S. Attorney's Office, where I met with the Secret Service and my lawyer and Gail McKenzie, and I sit down, and I remember when I got there, I sat down, and in my mind, I was actually thinking, like, what do they know? You know, like, I wonder how much they know. And Gail McKenzie walked in and sat down. We all introduced one another, and her assistant came in with Starbucks coffee and she handed me a venti vanilla latte with eight raw sugars in it. And, and I, and she goes, I, she, and she handed it to me and said, that's a venti vanilla latte with eight raw sugars. And she looked at me and I thought, and I go, wow. I said, how, you know, like, how'd you know that? And she went, well, we, we've interviewed Becky, Rebecca Halk extensively. She goes, we know everything. And I just was like, I mean, this chick knew the kind of drink that I drink. And I thought, oh, man, this is, this is so bad. Like, they know everything. One of the things my lawyer had told me was, no matter what happens during these meetings, don't lie. Don't lie to the FBI or the Secret Service or the U.S. Attorney's Office because they'll use that lie to not give you any type of a reduction. So you could you can cooperate with the with the authorities and let's say they got they arrested 10 people and those people all got five or 10 years apiece. Well, if you lied in any significant way, then the U.S. attorney would immediately say, yeah, your honor, he did all this. But guess what? He lied about this one thing. We don't think he deserves anything. And then they give you nothing, even though they got the benefit of your cooperation. So she told me, don't lie about anything. I was like, all right, I totally got it. So I sat down and they started asking questions. You know, when did you leave? Uh, you know, when did you leave Florida? How did you know the FBI was coming to arrest you? You know, where did you go first? Why did you go there? How did you get this ID? How did you get this? How did you get that? So I explained to them all the various ways I had gotten identities. I explained to them where I'd gone. I explained to them the bank account. They knew everything because Becky had already told them everything. So um, they'd also talked to Amanda by this point. Amanda had cooperated, which was one of the girls, the girl that I had been dating when I got caught. So she knew who I was. So she had cooperated. Uh, they'd interviewed several other people that knew me that 
knew I was doing fraudulent things to a degree, but may or may not have known who I was. <coughs> you know, they may have known me as Joseph Carter. So I remember as when I, so I remember when I first got into the meeting and sat down, the first thing, one of the first things that the, that Dan Bronskowski or whatever his name is said to me was, we need to talk about the money that, you know, that you took. And I was like, okay. I said, well, you guys have already got the money. Like they'd already subpoenaed all my bank accounts. They'd already taken all the money. They'd already, they'd already done everything. They already gotten a ton of money. And I said, you already have the money. And they went, no, no, we know you have money hidden. And I went, I don't have any money hidden. I don't know what you're talking, what are you talking about? And I remember my lawyer leaned in and she, Millie goes, she goes, do we need to talk about this? And I went, no, there's nothing to talk about. I gave them all the money. You have the money from Bank of America. You have the money from SunTrust. You have the money from here. You have the money from, you know, Bank of Tennessee, from Bank of uh, Nashville, from, you know, all these, all these different banks. You've got them all. And he said, look, we know you have money. He goes, you understand that you're going to get hit with an obstruction charge. And I remember thinking they think I'm lying about this, but I'm not. So he pulls out several uh, bank statements and he puts them on the table. Boom. He goes, we know you've got money hidden in the, uh, in the name of Walter Holcomb in the name of Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville was a, a fictitious bank that I'd made up. It was completely fictitious. So I looked at it and I was like, I could not believe, like I had a website, I had a, a phone service, I had, I had everything to cover the bank. And so he looked at the bank and he was like, we know you've got this bank. Uh, we know you've got money in this name. And I just, I looked at it and he was so irritated and upset and serious. He goes, you're going to get hit with an obstruction charge. And I said, wow. I said, have you called the bank? And he goes, yeah, we've called. I left several messages. He goes, we just subpoenaed them. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, we just subpoenaed him. Uh, we're going to get the money anyway. You might as well just be honest. And I went, did you go to the website? And he was like, yeah, we went to the website. And I go, what did you think of it? And he goes, what do you mean? It was a website. I go, yeah, but it was, it was, it's professional. And he goes, it's a bank website. I go, yeah, but it's professional. I go, it's convincing. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, fuck. He goes, oh, man. And everybody's like, what's going on? What's going on? And he goes, it doesn't exist. And I, he goes, and I looked at him and I go, it's all an illusion. And I, and he said, uh, he goes, are you serious? I said, bro, I made this bank. Like I made these bank statements. Like all of this is fake. Bank statements are fake. And, you know, he had canceled checks and he was like, yeah, he was, but it's registered with the bank registry. I said, right. There was a Southern Exchange Bank, but it had been bought by someone like South Trust or somebody. And so I actually had a bank there. So I recon and branded it as Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. And I made a website called Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. And I made, you know, colored uh, bank statements like they were in full color and I, you could print them out and everything. And he thought I had like, I don't know, 100000 or $200,000 in this bank in the name of Walter Holcomb. So anyway, the U.S. attorney was like, well, what do you even have that for? And I said, banks are great for everything. They're great for verifying down payments. They're great for verifying reserves. They're great for verifying uh, canceled checks. They're great for verifying employment. Like you know, there's lots of things you would do with the bank. And 
so she just kind of like, you know, shook her head and shrugged it off. She goes, okay, fine, fine. And he goes, they, well, we, we think that you're still money out there. I go, well, there's no money out there. So, you know, and you, if this is the best you've got, you know, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. And I was like, you really believe this was a bank? I said, did you, who did you subpoena? And he said, we subpoenaed the, the bank. It's, there's actually a, an address in, in Florida. So we subpoenaed the address. And I said, I don't know who have you left messages with? Like, I haven't paid the phone service in like months and months because I've been locked up. And he goes, he goes, I left a a voicemail like a a few weeks ago. So we pick up the phone and he actually called the phone number and it went and it had been shut off. As I told you. And he was like, wow. He and I went, you really believe this was a real bank? And he goes, yeah. And I went, wow. I said, you're the secret service, bro. And I, it was like the first time, like I was embarrassed that they had caught me. It was just, I was like, I can't believe that you guys caught me. So like, they'd had this information for four or five months and they still thought it was a real bank. Anyway, I talked to them. I tell them the things that I'd done. But uh, and essentially what I told them was that, of course, it was, you know, it was just Becky and I. Becky and I had run these scams. Amanda kind of knew what I was doing at some point. She figured it out, but she never really helped me with the scam. She never really did anything. She hadn't done anything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And she'd already cooperated uh, against me and told them everything she had done. So there was just nobody that that I really could could give up or help myself with. There was a, a company that I had had been getting mortgages through, and the loan officer there knew that I was multiple people. I don't know. I don't ever go into this, uh, but so that loan officer, they had actually they were running a scam where they had set up a, a fake down payment assistance program. Still, you know, I explained about that and the U.S. attorney didn't seem they didn't seem all that interested, even though to me it was a massive scam. Uh, all they did with that was they contacted them and told them to shut it down. Stop doing stop doing that. Like, you're committing fraud. Stop doing that. And they were like, oh, okay. And they closed the whole thing down. They stopped running their fraud. They never indicted them. Like, I didn't really do much other than just bury myself based on what they already knew. In that in that particular, in that particular uh, debriefing. Hey, if you guys didn't know, I also do, I do paintings. And uh, if you're interested in a painting, I'm going to leave my contact information in the description beneath the video. Back to the video. So... That went on for a couple of days. I think I was debriefed by them for like maybe maybe two days or three days. So I go back to you. Um, I go back to uh, uh, ACDC, the 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 Marshall's holdover where I was being held. And maybe a month later, I go to the FBI. So I go get interviewed by the FBI. I'm interviewed by the FBI. They, of course, come out. They've got boxes and boxes uh, that they bring. And they only bring a few boxes. Like they literally said they had a small room 
filled up with documents from my mortgage company and documents that they had collected from just all the various loans I'd done over the years. And they were saying it was like 11 and a half. At that point, they were saying it was a 15 million or 11 and a half million or something. I forget. So, okay. So I, they, they sit down and the first thing they wanted to know was about a politician that I had actually uh, bribed. It was a guy named Kevin White. He was, he was a city council member. He was running for city council and I had bribed him. Uh, we had met and he had solicited like campaign contributions, which I'd given him. And then at some point, he, I, he came back for more contributions. And I said, look, how much would it cost to actually win the election? And he said, man, the whole thing, maybe 20 grand, maybe 15, maybe 20 grand. I think he had told me, and I already have like five grand in my election account. I said, so if I give you 15 grand and you win this, I said, I want you to rezone all the vacant lots that I have that are single family. I want you to rezone them multifamily. No problem. He said, that's a, that's a done deal. So I go and I get him a bunch of cash at first and he says he can't take all the cash. So then I turn around and I go and I get all of my friends, family, my employees, everybody to write him checks for like 500 bucks. And so I give him a bunch of checks for 500 bucks and he deposits it. Some of those accounts went to people that didn't exist like James Red, Brandon Green, Lee Black. Like they have a bank accounts, but they don't actually have – they're not actual people. So – the during the course of their investigation, the FBI realized that I had a bunch of my fake people's checks had gone to this political candidate who ended up winning. I gave him a total of twenty two thousand dollars. I think seven thousand was in cash. Fifteen thousand was uh, was in checks. So they wanted to know what happened here. Like we've investigated several people like they had talked to with this one guy that what my business partner was named Dave Walker. They said we talked to Dave Walker. Dave Walker said that you had bribed this politician and they talked to several other people that had all agreed. Yeah. Matt bribed him. Matt got him elected to city council. Well, I said, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, they already have the, they have, they have everything. They've got all the evidence. They've got people saying, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's what happened. I remember when they asked me about that, I was shocked because I hadn't even thought about that guy. Like there was so much fraud going on that there are things that have happened that people will mention to me now that I'm out of prison that I've never thought. I'm like, oh my God, I totally forgot about, like, I never talk about it. I completely forget about it. Forgot about it. That was one of them. Till the FBI mentioned it, I had completely forgotten that I'd gotten this guy elected to city council. He ended up parlaying that city council seat and becoming a city, a county commissioner. What's funny about that is he ultimately gets indicted for bribery. Now, there were all these articles that, anyway, I'll, I'll get into it later, but there was, there was a bunch of articles that had said, hey, this guy Cox just implicated Kevin White. Kevin White comes out like, he's just a jailhouse snitch. He's lying. Like, he gave some money to my campaign. I haven't done anything wrong. Of course, a couple of years later, he gets, he gets indicted for bribery, goes to trial, and loses. So he goes to trial and loses for bribery. Anyway, not that I'm not, you know, a jailhouse snitch. I'm just saying in general, he, he was also a liar. So... Here's what happens. I go to the FBI. They start questioning me. I remember Candace Calderon. I met Candace Calderon, and this was one of the FBI agents. This is the FBI agent that I called several times when I was on the run. 
tried to turn myself in, got into kind of an argument with her. And I remember when I when she first saw me, she walked up to me. So this woman's like 5'11", maybe 5'10", or 6' tall. She's in that range, and she wears heels. She's got fake tits, dark tan, and just towers over me. And she remembers she got close to me and looked down at me, and she goes, I told you we were going to meet someday. I told you they were going to catch you. And I was just like, oh, my God. She was just like a, a law enforcement zealot, like just hated my guts. Anyway, we sit down for our debriefing. First thing she wants to talk about is Kevin White. I tell her about Kevin White. Then she wants to talk about like basically my mortgage company. She says it's something like $40 million in fraudulent mortgages that she estimates have gone through there. She had been working with a bunch of my uh, of the my co-conspirators. Something like 12 people had been indicted on that case. And but none of them had ever been actually arrested. So they were indicted as what's called an unknown co-conspirator. So it's like this person is is like they would say um, DW. Well, that's Dave Walker, but they don't name the person. They're an unnamed co-conspirator. They call them DW. So they know we've indicted them, but we're not releasing the name. Anyway, a bunch of people had been indicted. Uh, they hadn't been arrested yet. So I sit down. They pull out documents. I say, yes, this is fraudulent. Yes, this is fraudulent. Yes, that's fraud. They're like, how did you figure out this? I did this. I did this. Well, where did the money go here? There was this much money. I was like, no, no, look, this money, I brought $40,000, but I got back $56,000. It went to this construction company. If you go to that construction company, I had a bank account there. That money went into the bank account. That bank account then turned around and wrote a check back to me, or I got it out in cash, or I got whatever. So I break it all down. We're in, I'm interviewed by them for at least three or four days. And, you know, and Candace was just snide the entire time. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, they pulled out all kinds of documents. I was able to verify stuff for them and, and you know, and explain. It's so funny because there were some people that had completely buried me. There was like half those people, more than half the people had buried me. But all said they didn't know anything. It's like it's clear that you did this loan. It's clear that you got the money for this loan. It's clear that you were involved. Everybody's saying and, and what's so funny is like one person goes in and says, I, uh, Matt did this and so and so did this and so and so did this and so and so did this. But I didn't do anything. I didn't know what was happening. But then the next person comes in. So so and so did this. So and so did this. Matt did this. And then points at the other person and says, he did this, but I didn't do anything. Somebody else comes in and says, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this. And this person and this person were involved, but I didn't do anything. So they, by the time it's done, you've got every one of these people has five or six or eight people pointing at them saying they were involved. And if you follow the money, you realize very quickly they were all involved. We even had an investor. I even had an investor out of a... Uh, Atlanta that had invested like, I don't know, two, three hundred thousand dollars at a time where he was funding loans and then getting money back. I and mean, we were flipping properties for him and he was acting as a hard what's called the hard money lender. So we even had this investor that knew the whole thing was a scam. And when and, and he's also was indicted, he's indicted on my indictment. He's one of my co-conspirators. He actually 
went to the U.S. attorney's office and said, when you add up Cox's restitution, add like $20,000 for my legal fees. Because he was saying he didn't do anything. He didn't realize he was indicted already. And the U.S. Attorney Act actually added that 20 grand or 30 grand, whatever he paid. They added his legal fees to my restitution because he had been named as an unnamed co-conspirator, not actually named, and was saying he didn't know anything about it. He was innocent. He had made a few hundred thousand dollars of fraudulent money during a conspiracy that he knew about and actively participated in. He made a couple hundred thousand and then hit me for 40 or 30 grand, 20 or 30 grand for his legal fees. But I mean, that's just how the Fed works. Like it's completely fucked up. Um, I give you so, you know. Like that's literally like one of the people that would say like, I'm a victim. You're not a victim. You're a criminal. I don't owe you any money. Anyway, um, so during the course of this whole thing, I'm interviewed by the FBI. And eventually, you know, they, they're, they're, they're coming up with all kinds of numbers. And I'm, I'm saying that this is a loan. This isn't fraudulent. This is fraudulent. That's a legitimate loan. Like anything my name was attached to, they wanted to say was fraud. Um. Eventually, that ends up – that whole thing ends up uh, wrapping up. I go back to you know, ACDC, to the detention center, and maybe a few weeks later – it may have actually been during the process, during the time that I was being uh, interviewed or during these two interviews. I'm, the U.S. attorney comes to my lawyer and says, we want him, to, Mr. Cox, to be interviewed by Dateline. The reason I think she wanted me to be interviewed by Dateline was because if they interviewed me, they would interview her. So she uh, – Gail McKenzie like was like a, a, a media whore. Like she loved the media. And so I – my lawyer said – so Gail actually told my lawyer, Millie, she said, listen, let Mr. Cox know that if he does this interview with Dateline, we'll consider it substantial assistance. And we'll reduce his sentence, you know, for it. So I was like, absolutely, I'll be in, I'll be interviewed. So I go to be interviewed. Dateline, they show up. I forget the name of that guy of the guy. He's got white hair. He's got like a long face. Um, he does Dateline. Oh gosh, everybody knows him. You would know his voice immediately. So I do, and I do this. Uh, I, I do the interview. He comes in and. He interviews me and, and he was like, what did you did you see the old the other episode? Because they had already had one episode. He goes, did you see that episode? I said, yes, I did. And he said, what did you think of it? And I went, I thought it was horrible. I think you guys misrepresented what happened. I think you painted me out to be like these women were all victims when in fact I had we were just dating like they wanted to be involved in it. So I, he goes, well, that's that's why we're interviewing you. So you can set it straight. So then he starts interviewing me. And you can you can tell from the beginning, like he's just trying to just make me look as bad as possible. He's asking all kinds of fucked up questions. I remember one of the questions was he said, um, what did he say? One of the questions that he said was, uh, um, you've hurt a lot of people. And I went, well, I don't think I've hurt anybody. I mean, I've, I've financially inconvenienced a lot of people, but. 
you know, nobody claimed bankruptcy. Nobody lost a ton of money. Like, I mean, and he goes, you've hurt a lot of people. I said, well, once again, I said, I think I've inconvenienced some people. I've caused some people to lose money, but I've never physically harmed anybody. You've hurt a lot of people. And I, I, I'm looking around and I went, you seem to be stuck on hurt. And I went, so, uh, yeah, okay. So I said, I, I mean, if you want me to say I hurt people, I said, yeah, I hurt people. I mean, what, what are you getting at? What, why are you, you know, he goes, and then they, he just kept going. So when they go back, they take the film and he says, you've hurt a lot of people. And they edit it so that he says, you've hurt a lot of people. And I say, what are you getting at? Yeah, okay, so I've hurt some people. I mean, wh what are you getting at? I mean, it, it sounds so callous and everything about it, like he would say something and then they would cut it so that I would like smile or kind of laugh when I never actually laughed. And I mean, it just it was just so such a blatant hatchet job. Not that what I did wasn't bad enough. It's like like if you if you, you know, if you slam somebody for something that they honestly did and you just portray it accurately like I get that that's you know the guy's a scumbag but if you go out of your way to also say like he targeted single women uh, single mothers he forced them to get boob jobs leave their children commit fraud and sent them to jail like said whoa 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 none of that happened but that's the kind of you know slash and burn tactics that a tabloid um, news program like Dateline does and they really just gutted me what's so funny about that is that when they played that episode, I was still at ACDC and I was and I knew it was coming on. And I remember saying, look, I want to watch this because I didn't know how editing worked. So I go, hey, you guys, I want to watch this TV show. I'm going to be on Dateline. They're doing like a one hour special. And so everybody was like, OK, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cox, we'll watch it. There's like 150 guys around three different TVs in this pod with their seats up. Uh, pulled up to the TV and they play this episode. And of course, from a criminal perspective, me taking advantage of single mothers and me robbing people or, or, or ripping people off and me like all these things that didn't happen. These guys are dying laughing. They're like, yo, bro, like, dang, Cox. And they're laughing. And I'm like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. That's not. What, and, and they're just like loving it. Like I was like a, a celebrity after that. They just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was in the horror. If you watch, if you, if I've never watched it since, but it, it, it was, it, I just remember watching it at the time and thinking it was horrible. So anyway, looking back, I guess it's actually comical because in my opinion now, it's like saying, you murdered 14 people and I'm going, oh, I only murdered 10. What does it matter? You're still murdered 10 people. Like you're still a piece of shit, you know? So like, I'm still a piece of garbage. So the program doesn't really matter, but it is funny because it was the first time I really understood the, the power of the media and how much they twisted things. Like there were definitely things that I absolutely didn't do that they were saying I did. And it was like, wow, like, that makes it sound, the way they made it sound, 100% credible. And that's why I just don't believe the media anymore. So everything they say, I think, eh, maybe. So what happens is at some point, my lawyer comes to me. And she says, we got what's called your pre-sentence report. And I go, okay. And she goes, here's your pre-sentence report. And she gives it to me. 
and my pre-sentence report, uh, the calculation says that uh, my sentence is going to be 32 years to life. I actually have a pre-sentence report. I actually still have it. It, it literally says 32 years of life, and it says that I owe in restitution after they sold everything. I owe $9.5 million. million, $9.5 32 years of life. Like they're saying the judge can give him life. I mean, if you listen to the other series of videos that I did, you should realize I've done nothing to get a life sentence. Really, I didn't give anything to get 30 years. So I freak out. And what's so funny is my lawyer's like, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. She's like, you can't even get a life sentence. The most you can get is 32 years. And I'm like, that's hardly what I want to hear. I'm like, you said, like she had, at that point, she had been telling me something like 13 to 15, like 15 years on the high side, 12 to 13 years. You're probably looking at 10, but 12, 12 to 13 years. Plus you're going to get your sentence reduced. You're right. I met with the FBI. I met with the Secret Service. I did Dateline. You're right. I'm probably I, I, I'm supposed to get my sentence reduced. So she said so. And then we go over the sentencing. The uh, we go over the uh, PSI. Um, and she starts saying, "Look, they've got a bunch of enhancements that just don't apply to you." This. Did you ever do this? I'm like, no, that doesn't imply. She is right. Exactly. What about this one? So we start. I'm like, they give me enhancements that just didn't apply. I felt they didn't apply. She felt they didn't apply. So I felt pretty good. So. We, she says, don't worry, we're going to get in front of the judge, we're going to argue, you know, we're going to get him down. In the meantime, I'm telling her, I just want to remove my plea. I'd rather go to trial because if I can get, at least at trial, I can lay out the truth of what I did. And you, you also retain a lot of rights, of the right to appeal, uh, that sort of thing. When you sign a plea agreement, you remove all your, right, your rights to appeal. And so I said I wanted to remove my plea. So she calls the U.S. attorney and says, this is what's going on. He's freaking out. So they send the Secret Service agent comes down there and meets with me and meets with my attorney. And we basically argue about how much these enhancements don't apply. And I get it down to 26 years and four months. My lawyer says, don't worry, Matt. We're going to win these other enhancements, which I know we can win. We're going to get you down to around 14 years. If we had won those enhancements, it would have been 14 years. So then we go to trial. I'd be sorry. Then we go to sentencing. I get in front of the judge. My judge's name is uh, Judge Batten. And uh, his name is uh, yeah, Timothy Batten uh, in, in Atlanta. And and he was newly appointed. He'd been on the bench maybe a few months, maybe, I don't know, five or six, maybe six months or something. Not, not that long. So I get in front of the judge. The U.S. attorney ar- makes her argument. We make our argument about each enhancement, and as my lawyer mentions every enhancement, like, Your Honor, this enhancement says that Mr. Cox used a government body to further his crime, or a he used, you know, he used the government, the government or a charitable institution to further his crime by, you know, by, by pretending to be them. And the example says that 
that's like they, the example they give is like if you say that you're with the federal government or you're with the cancer society and you go knocking door to door collecting money for the cancer society. Well, I didn't do that. I did say Salvation Army. I had a little badge and I but I was giving people money and they have multiple examples. And every example is saying your whatever, you know, the cancer society and collecting money, collecting money, collecting money. I'm actually just getting money from people. I'm actually giving money for surveys. So I'm not actually costing them anything. So she's saying that doesn't apply. Well, the judge hears the argument and goes, yeah, but I think he soiled their reputation. I'm going to let that stand. Bam. Two-point enhancement. I lost it. You know, I lose lose that argument. The next one, same thing. Whatever it was, eh, I disagree. I'm going to let that stand. Listen, overruled every single objection we had, right down the line, bop, 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 bop. Then, my, of course, the U.S. attorneys yelling and screaming, saying I deserve 26 years and four months. And the judge says, I agree. And uh, he gives me 26 years and four months. You know what's a funny thing about that is that they have one person, one victim that shows – no, they have two, two victims that show up. One is – Michael Shanahan, he shows up and says that I cost him $4,000 because he had to pay a lawyer $4,000. The lawyer had to talk to these two hard money lenders or three hard money lenders. So to correspond with the hard money lenders, it cost him $4,000. So I owe him $4,000. That's one of my victims. Everything else is banks. Second person I owe is someone named uh, Dr. Smith. I'm sorry, Dr. Smith, Dr. Brown. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Dr. Brown, I owe him, I want to say it was like ten dollars or $15,000, something like that. Now, the thing about that was that I had bought their house, gave them twenty five grand down. Then they got their house back because they paid a lawyer $15,000. Then they resold the house and made another twenty five grand. So they technically made $10,000 on my fraud. The U.S. attorney refused to refused to take that into consideration and said that I owed to Dr. Brown $15,000. That's fine. My lawyer said, don't argue. Okay, fine. So I don't, I don't feel like I really owe him $15,000, but that's fine. So then the other lender that got up, or the other person that got up there was a victim. He got up and said, Mr. Cox, I'm a hard money lender. Mr. Cox borrowed $150,000 from me. And the U.S. attorney was like, you're not a big faceless uh, bank, Uh, Mr. Cox. That was your money, your personal money. And he was like, yeah, it's yeah, it was it was. Well, it's he said, yes, yes, it's 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 based on credit lines and things of that nature. But yes, it's basically I'm responsible for the money. Okay, so she says so she goes back and forth and and you lost all that money. You haven't received any of that money back, have you? You've lost all that. Mr. Co- Mr. Cox robbed you for 150 or stole $150,000 from you. And he went sat there for a minute and he goes, "Well, actually, actually no, I um I actually got paid back." And she goes, well, "What?" And this is a conversation they're having right there in front of the judge and the courtroom and the reporters. She goes, what do you mean? And he says, yeah, I actually got the title company paid me back. She goes, you got all the money back? Yeah. And she goes, what about the payments? And he goes, no, I got all the payments too. They paid me the payments and the late payment, everything. I got all my money back. She goes, what? You didn't lose anything? He goes, no. 
She says, did you, well, did you have to hire a lawyer at all? Something, anything? And he goes, oh, no, no. He's, I did, I did hire a lawyer and that was about $1,500. She says, well, that's $1,500. That's a lot of money. Mr. Cox owes you $1,500. And he goes, right, no, no. And, and she goes, and you couldn't afford to lose $1,500, could you? And he goes, no, no, uh, no, no, no. I, I, it, that was, I couldn't afford to lose $1,500. That was a lot of money. That was, it was like so, it was just so stupid. It was like, <laughs> it was just like, what are you doing? Like, okay, it's $1,500. Like, I get it. You know, if, if, if it had been, $30. She would have said, well, that's a lot of money. Mr. Cox should have to go to jail for 20 years for that. That's all you, you couldn't afford to lose that. Could you? Like, I mean, she was just so, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, not that I don't know the money, not that I'm not a scumbag. I'm just saying whatever, you know, it's, it's just, it was just ridiculous. It was such a dog and pony show. Hey, I wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon account. If you're interested in joining the Patreon account, it's got three tiers. The top tier, you actually get a different con man painting every single month. If you're already joined and you're already supporting me, I really appreciate that. If you haven't joined yet and you're interested in joining, I'm going to leave the contact information for Patreon in the description. Thank you very much for watching the video. Back to the video. So they get up there, they talk. The judge is glaring at me. I remember he kind of calls me, uh, says uh, that what I did was uh, sociopathic in nature. And it was a complete disregard for uh, my victims. And keep in mind, they're saying I have over 50 victims, but there's only four individuals that I owe money to. They, so the total, if you add up all the money that I owe them, it's not more than 30 grand. It doesn't even come to 30 grand. Not that that's not a lot of money. Not that I don't owe it. Um, anyway, so what ends up happening is, uh, as far as that's concerned is the judge, you know, the judge basically says I'm a piece of garbage and that I need to go to jail for 26 years. And the U S attorney tells him, you know, she tells him, you know, before he sentences me, he's like, she says, listen, Mr. Cox has cooperated, but there's ongoing investigations and he will be coming back here. Most likely, or he'll be, he should be coming back to get time knocked off of his sentence. Now, the other thing is we asked to be, have time knocked off for Dateline because she said, I will consider it substantial assistance and, and reduce your sentence. Um, when my lawyer said, what about Dateline? The U.S. attorney, Gail McKenzie, said, well, I said I'd consider it substantial assistance. I've considered it. It's not. So substantial assistance means cooperation. So she said, I've considered it. Eh, no, it's not cooperation. And she didn't give me anything. Met with the FBI, met with the Secret Service, gave them information. Not good enough. They haven't actually arrested anybody. So I don't get anything. There's ongoing investigations is what they said. Fine. So I'm thinking my lawyer's like, don't worry. They're going to when they arrest people, uh, uh, they'll, they'll after they go out and they get these arrests, they'll reduce your sentence. OK, that's fine. So go to prison. You'll be fine. That's fine. So I I. I got 26 years and four months. My mom's in the fucking courtroom crying her eyes out. My dad's in the courtroom shaking his head like I'm just a piece of fucking garbage that I am. Um, I'm. I don't know what to say. Like I'm, I'm 
completely crushed. I remember when I walked was walked back to the Marshalls, U.S. Marshalls holdover. Um, it was this long hallway, and the U.S. Marshal was walking me back, and he was just a chatty old guy. Like he's like, "Wow, so um, Jesus, twenty six years. That's that's hard. Like I don't, you don't, you don't usually see that. Like especially white collar. I never see, never seen twenty six years. That may be one of the harshest. That may be the harshest sentence I think I've ever seen and heard of it being imposed. Because at that time there was no Bernie Madoff. There was those guys. That was later. Like the white collar crime. You're just not getting that kind of time. But you have to think we were. It was by this point. It's two thousand. It's late two thousand and seven, and the entire housing market is starting to kind of implode and they needed somebody to blame and so you know they're kind of talking about how i'm the i'm the mortgage industry's worst nightmare and this and that and the truth is like i it was it was not a billion dollar fraud this was this was a six million dollar loss because that's one of the other things i had done with the u.s or with the when we had argued with the secret service is i got them from nine and a half million down to six million they agreed I only lost, owed $6 million. So for $6 million, if you look on the guidelines, without all these ridiculous, uh, without all of these ridiculous enhancements, I should have gotten like, like six or seven years. Even if you added, this, added together some, maybe 10. At the worst, 10. 26 years and four months. So I remember walking, listening to this, this U.S. Marshal. I get all the way back to the marshals, the holdover, and still inside the federal building, the federal court building. And I, I walk back and I remember this one guy, there was a guy that was there that was like a gay guy. And, and when people would come back, everybody was, is sitting around, there's like 10 guys in a cell and they would all go, what'd you get? And guys would be like, oh, I got three years. Oh, I got seven years. Oh, I got, I got 37 months or, you know, whatever. And I went, I got over 26 years. And I remember the gay guy goes, oh my God. Like the judge didn't, he didn't throw the book at you. He jumped over the bench and bludgeons you with it. Oh my God. Like put his hand to his chest and started walking around. I go, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe you got that much time. Oh my God. And like, and I was just like, like wasn't making things better. I then end up going back to when they move us back to ACDC and I walk into the court or into the, the unit. I had just been on TV. My sentence had just been read on TV. So when they walk me in in my shackles and 150 guys are, they, of course, everybody's just eaten. They finished eating. They've just watched TV and they know I got this much time and I walk in the door. So you got 150 guys staring at me. Guys are walking out of the second tier um, cells to walk and look down at me. And I mean, just the all, 150 guys staring at me at once. And it just like hit me. And I mean, I just burst into fucking tears. Like tears just rolled down my face. And I walked straight in my fucking cell. Like I just gotten a hold of myself. And I walked straight in my cell and lay down. And I fucking slept for like two or three days. It was just horrible. Like I had guys coming in the room saying, Cox, man, I'm so sorry, bro. You don't deserve that. I'm sorry. I know you can do something. You're a smart guy. You're going to figure this out. You're going to get out of this, you know, but the truth is, is I, 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 I just, I overwhelmingly thought I was just, was just doomed. Like I was never going to survive that with gain time, with gain time. My outdate was 2030. That's with good time off means that if I serve that sentence and I was good, never lost a day of good time, 
I was going to get out in 2030. If I lost gain time, which most inmates do, let's say I lost all my gain time, I would have been getting out when I was, it would be like, it would have been like, I think it would have been like 2035 or late 2034. I would have been 60. So at that point, a few days later, a guy, or a few days later, they shipped me to Coleman. Well, actually, a few days later, they, they shipped me to the Atlanta City prison, um, uh, U.S. Penn, which is where they have a, a holdover. And from there, they shipped me to Coleman, to the medium security prison. Keep in mind, I'm a white-collar criminal with no history of violence, and they sent me to a medium security prison, which is essentially, it's a real prison. Like these are prisons, there's riots, there's stabbings, there's violent guys, guys are there with life sentences. It's a fucking hellhole. And so that's where I went. And I went to that prison, they marched me in and I went into art, went through, you go through what's called, you know, R&D, receiving and departure. And, uh, and I went in there and, you know, they fingerprint you and. They, uh, yeah, I was in there and that's, uh, so I think it was a good spot to end it. And, uh, yeah, so, all right, so I'm going to, I'll go over like my first day of prison and, and then what the whole thing that happened and listen, a guy got stabbed the first day of prison. I was there. So I'll go into uh, prison and being in the medium and everything that happened and being interviewed by fuck American greed and just, just everything, just, just how fucked up this prison was and the whole situation. So I appreciate you guys watching. Tell me if uh, like, uh, you know, what you, why you came to the, what you like about the channel. Uh, tell me about like why you came and you watched the uh, video. Tell me if you're here for the cocks. Um, guys are, guys, fucking guys are hilarious. Guys, guys are leaving comments in the comment section like, bro, I'm here for the cocks. Let me know if that's what you're here for. Um, yeah, give me feedback. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notified. Share the video, and I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, see you.